So we're going to be in Mark's Gospel, but before we do that, let me tell you a little, paint a little picture for you. I don't know how many of us have experienced this lately. You're quite lucky if you have. In fact, I know at least one person in this room will have. Uh, I have not experienced this for quite some time. You can all say ah at the end. It's that moment when you've made big lists of things to do before you go on holiday. You've worked your way through most of those things and it's come time for you to exchange your UK cash for the currency of whatever country you're going to. And you get to the Bureau de Change. I just wanted to say that word. It's the only reason for this story. You get there and you take your money that is valuable here but completely worthless over there and you exchange it for whatever money they use, right? Let me paint it another way. I don't know if any of you have ever been down in, in England and tried to spend Scottish money. Have you? I remember distinctly someone actually looking at me like I'd put something dirty on their hand when I'd handed them a £20 note from, of Scottish money. And they genuinely were like, we can't, we, can, we can't take this. And I was like, what? We're one country, don't be ridiculous. Of course you can. No, we don't accept that here. You can see where I'm going with this. And as I was thinking about these things, and thinking about the word Bureau de Change, I was thinking, wouldn't it be great if we had a place where we could exchange our worthless rubbish for something precious that we could use? Wouldn't it be amazing if we had a place that we could go to and exchange everything in our life that we saw as useless and come away feeling amazing, come away with something valuable? Well, our passage today tells us that there is. Our passage today talks about prayer in such terms. And I felt as I was praying about this uh, talk today that God really wants us to grasp the concept of prayer being a place where we can exchange stuff that is bothering us and give it to Jesus and come away feeling incredible. Hence the name of my talk, Prayer to Change. Okay. You see, when we do pray, we're making a heavenly exchange. And for those of us who maybe aren't um, familiar, in the Old Testament, it tells us how before Jesus, uh, there was a thing called the tabernacle. And it was in the Holy of Holies. It was in this special place where only the high priest could go. And even then, only the high priest could only go there once a year. You see, it was held in this tent, within a bigger tent, within a court, within walls. And you and I, average Joe, in fact, the women in the congregation, would only get beyond one wall. And then we'd have to pass our sacrifices and our offerings to the God, on, uh, to, to God, sorry, on to someone else who would take it through to the next part of the court. The men would take it into the next section. And then they would pass it on to the priests. And they would atone for the bad things in their life and they would confess and they would offer up these sacrifices. And then the priests would give it to the high priest and then only the high priest would be the one who was allowed to be in the place of God. Now, there's probably a lot more to it than that and I've given you a very quick snapshot. But what I want you to grasp from this is that before Jesus, there was lots of things we had to do to even be able to just speak to God to even be worthy of being in his presence. But when Jesus came and he died on that cross, he took every single one of those things in your life and in my life that means that we can't speak to God. Everything that separates us from him, Jesus took it onto the cross and he paid the price. And not only did he die for those things, he rose again 
I mean, this is incredible good news. It's the whole word, the gospel. That's why it's called the gospel, is it's good news. This is life-changing stuff. And you would be forgiven for thinking, a bit like me, if there's anyone in this life who doesn't need to pray, it's Jesus, right? If there's anyone in this world, past and present, who's got it made and who is just perfect and trucking along, then it's Jesus, right? He doesn't need to pray. But what we see in the Bible on several occasions is that he prioritizes prayer. And we're about to read in Mark's gospel, uh, Mark 1, 35 to 39, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Mark is the second, that's how I remember, just so you know where you're going in your New Testament. We're going to read from there and it tells us about Jesus praying. He's had an incredibly busy run up to this moment. So we've read a few, um, a few verses through Mark already. And what we've already seen is that he has been baptized. He's arrived on scene. He's been baptized. He's gone out into the desert. He's been tempted by the devil. Uh, he's come back and he started his ministry with a bang. He is healing people all over the place. In fact, the bit just before this is telling us that the whole town gathered at the door, bringing their ill and demon-possessed people. So he's been a bit busy. And then this is what happens next. Let's read. Mark 1, 35 to 39. Jesus prays in a solitary place. Very early in the morning, while it's still dark, Jesus got up. He left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Amen. And so this is just a short passage that we're looking at today, but I think it's, it's like gold for us. It teaches us so many things. Like I say, he's been an exceptionally busy guy. Him and his disciples uh, have been preaching all around the local area. They've been praying for people. They've been healing people. Um, And like I say, the whole town has gathered. In fact, as they've gone to preach, there are some towns that they haven't been able to get into because they're so busy. Remember, James came last week and told us about the man who was lowered through the roof because he was paralyzed and his mates knew that he needed to be in the presence of Jesus. But the room was so filled that he couldn't get in, so they climbed up. Can you imagine that happening here? We were so packed that someone came up and there was just like a hole formed in the top of the roof and someone was lowered in because they knew they needed to be in the presence of Jesus. That's the kind of urgency we want. But if he's been this busy, I don't know about you, But if I'd been that busy, I'd be thinking, I think I've earned a day off. I might just have a sofa day. Maybe watch some movies and just, you know, hunker down, not do very much. In fact, maybe I'll have a few days off because I've been super busy recently. That's not what Jesus does. The words are, Jesus got up. And in some of the um, translations, it tells us that he got up before sunrise. I'm not entirely sure when the last time I saw before sunrise was. But Jesus gets up early and he goes out and he finds a quiet place and he spends time with God. Why? Because he knows he needs to. 
You see, Jesus is fully human and yet fully God. And so we would be thinking, well, but if he's fully God, then even though he's fully human, surely he doesn't actually need to spend time with God. But what we see all the way through the New Testament is that Jesus knows that even he needs to spend time with the Father. I am the vine, he is the branches. All of these, te- all of these little verses point to the fact that he knows exactly what he needs to do. And it's something we need to prioritize in our life. What I'm about to say is very much preaching to myself because I, if I've spoken to you as one of the leaders in this church, you'll know, uh, have not mastered my calendar yet. Since moving here, I have found it quite difficult to prioritize things. And so you may have had a conversation with me along the lines of, you know that coffee we arranged? I might need to rearrange it. Or, you know that meeting I said that we could definitely have on that night? We might need to rearrange it. It's not my skill right now. But prioritizing things is so important. You see, our lives are pretty full, right? Hands up if your life is not full. Yeah, that's what I thought. And here's where my props come in. You see, we need to imagine that our life is this box. Shall I show you? This is our life. And when we fill our lives with things that are super important, not oranges, but family and friends and God and prayer and all the other very, very important things. Not sure why there's six, just because it fills my bowl. Just roll with me on this. Is this box full? Our life's quite full, right? We've got lots of things in it. We've filled it with all the key important things. We're doing quite well. But when you come to fill it with all the other things, for example, uh, social media, TV, coffee with friends, other things, hobbies, you can see that there's still quite a lot of space in there. And you filled it with more stuff. But is this life full? Is this life full? There's still space, right? So you could be adding all sorts of other things in there that are less important. Because you see, there's always room in that life that you thought was incredibly full. In fact, you can fill it with so many things that there's no space for anything else. But can you imagine if I'd painted this picture by pouring the water in there first... Would I have been able to fill it with the key things? Not without spilling the water. So if I'd filled this with just water, so just the insignificant things, just the lovely things that we like to do, like Facebook or Snapchat or... Sorry, I looked at my daughter. I shouldn't have done that. Uh, Or films, TV, socialising, all the wonderful things that we love to do. And don't get me wrong, don't hear me wrong, these things are still important. But if our whole life becomes about those things, then where's our family in there? Where's our wives, our husbands, our kids in there? Where's our work? Where's our job in there? Where's prayer in there? You see, prayer's often the thing that we tag on the end of a day. It's often the thing that we kind of just forget because we've been so crazy busy and work's just been mental and I've been away and, and, or my husband's been away and the kids are just so busy that I have to take them here, there and everywhere and I just, well, I just haven't really got time. So thank you, God, amen, night, night. And that's kind of it. Hands up if you're the kind of person that when you've had a really, really mental busy week, you're a little bit grumpy. 
That's definitely me. You see, what I've come to realize, and this could just be my own musings, but what I've come to realize is that when I haven't prioritized prayer and reading my Bible and reading God's promises, I am not a nice person to be around. I think my family can testify to that quite recently. I'm quite grumpy, very tired, because what I've done is I've taken everything on myself, and I'm now doing everything in my own strength, and so my big to-do list, it's all on me. And don't hear me wrong, when you pray and when you give these things to Jesus, it's not like suddenly your to-do list goes away. And magically, you don't have all these things to do. And suddenly, you don't have to go to work. And suddenly, you don't have to do all these things. That's not the case. But what happens is that God, God's Spirit fills us in a way that lets us go again. You see that here in this passage. You see, Jesus has been super busy. He's gone out to a solitary place to pray. Now, we don't know what he prayed. doesn't say doesn't say what kind of thing he asked for. I would assume he asked God for energy. I would assume he asked God for some words or pictures for people or for strength to go and heal more people or for wisdom for his preaching. But the next thing he says when people find him, and notice that when people find him, they're really shocked that he's taken time out to go and pray because they're thinking, what are you doing? We're so busy. We don't have time for you to be on the floor praying, for goodness sake. You can almost hear that tone in their voice. But what Jesus says next is, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. You see, when we prioritize prayer, we are refilled with our focus. We are refilled with energy and we get to go again. So it is a place where we can take our worries, a place where we can take our fears, a place where we can take everything that's stressing us out and be before God and he can fill us again with strength to go again. He will give us peace in our chaos. He will give us power in our weakness. He will give us perspective in our confusion. And for me, perspective is a big one. I don't know about you, but when I've been really busy and I'm quite tired, my perspective shifts quite significantly. And I start seeing things quite differently and not really how they actually are. Maybe I'll start reading things into things that people are saying to me when really that's not what they meant. Or maybe uh, I'll just feel like it's all on me. The responsibility is all on me. I don't know if any of you feel that way too, but from this passage, what we learn is that it's not about us. It's about God. It's about us taking our stuff to God and asking him for wisdom, asking him for strength. And that's what he does. We must prioritize prayer. A big thing for me when I was thinking through, okay, so what are the things that get in the way? And we can say things like social media, films, or, you know, all these other things. What are the things that get in the way of me wanting to spend more time with God? For me, it's distraction. I don't know if you're anything like this. And I'm only speaking to the people in the room that are people pleasers. Any of them in the room? Maybe not. I'll just speak to myself for a moment. But for myself, what I start to think is they're going to be unhappy if I don't do that thing. Or if I say that, they're going to be so cross with me. Or but if, I, but I, if I just do this one more thing, then I know they'll be happy. 
I often find myself operating out of this place of insecurity. It's not helpful, guys. Tell you what, as a leader, it's really not helpful to work out of a place of insecurity. So if you catch me doing these things, please someone tell me. And I say it a little bit flippantly, but we all have insecurities, right? We all have those things that are niggling in the back of our mind. And when we're always focusing on those things that aren't from God, then we're not often thinking, I must spend time with God. You see, the devil wants us to be in this place where we're always thinking about other things. We're always distracted by the many things that we've got to do. The biggest thing that I learn from this passage and from what Jesus does here is that I'm not playing to an audience of 100 people much as it looks like I might be. I'm playing to an audience of one. An audience of one. We are all playing to an audience of one, and that is God. If we do what is right before God, he takes care of everything else. An audience of one. I feel like that was a word for a bunch of us. And so we're going to prioritize prayer. The next point They're all P's, by the way. You'll have noticed. There are many P's within my passage today. Posture. What we see here is that Jesus postures himself towards God. By that I mean he takes himself off to a solitary place. He takes himself off to a quiet place, away from the busyness. And he gets down on his knees. There are several passages that talk about this. You see it in Luke 5.16. It says Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. In Matthew 14, 23, uh, it says after he dismissed them, the disciples, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. Even in Luke 22, just before he was found and then crucified, he said, it says we withdrew, uh, he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, again, the disciples, and he knelt down and prayed. That was the significant prayer where he prays, not my will, but yours. Essentially, he's saying, I don't want to do this, God. Where are you? This is going to be horrible. But not my will, but yours. I want what you want, not just what I want. And it even describes it later on that he is anguished and there is sweat like drops of blood falling to the ground. You see, what we see is that when Jesus puts himself into the presence of God, he often gets down on his knees. He often expresses his emotions truthfully. And then we don't get to see the words very often of what he says. We don't get to see physically what happens. Is he having a full-on moment with the Lord? Is he shaking? Is he crying? We don't know that. It doesn't say. But it always tells us what happens next. And in each one of these circumstances, what happens next is that he goes again. He goes out and preaches again. He goes to the cross. There are so many demonstrations of this, and I think it's the key thing for us to take away. And when I'm talking about posture, I'm not just talking about a physical posture. Although our physical posture obviously matters, doesn't it? You can imagine when you've gone out for coffee with a friend or if you're in a job interview or something, if you were to just sit there with your arms folded and looking really stiff 
or not looking at the person or falling asleep or worse, you're on your phone because you're checking social media because, or, or you're checking your messages because you've got 43 WhatsApps and you need to check them. But the other person is pouring out their heart to you. Can you imagine what that would say to this other person? So just as your physical posture matters between friends, of course it matters to God. And so when we're praying, we want to be in a physical posture where we are ready to receive. We want to have an open posture. And you'll often see people here with their hands out like this. That's because we are expectant when we pray. We know that God is going to give us good things. It says so in the Bible. And we, all, we know from experience, too, that he always shows up. It might not be in that very moment that something significantly changes, but he always changes things. Might not be what we're expecting, might not be the very thing we asked for, because he has the bigger picture and he knows what we need. But our physical posture is important because it gets us into a state of mind. It gets us into the right place of receiving from God. It'd be a bit weird, considering God knows us, he made us. It'd be a bit weird if we started using a different voice or a different language, different words, fancy words maybe in my circumstance. If I was to start using big fancy convoluted words, God would probably just be laughing at me because he'd be like, why are you talking to me like that? The same as if I started talking to Brian like that, he'd be like, what are you doing? You don't need to do that. But we're not only talking about a physical posture, we're talking about a mental one. When you pray, are you expecting God things to happen? Are we in a place where we are expectant? Are we in a place where we are waiting with bated breath to see what God's going to do? Or are we in that place where we kind of know we need prayer, but really we're kind of busy and we don't really have time for that? It's so easy to happen. It creeps in so easily. But we need to have faith for these situations. Brian and I have had experience of this just recently. Life's been quite busy. And there's been quite a few times where, this is confessions of a pastor, by the way, there's been quite a few times where we've been like, oh, we should pray for that. And then we'll carry on with whatever we're doing and we'll go off and keep doing whatever we're doing. But honestly, when we stop and pray, we have had the most incredible times with God, praying for situations on your behalf, praying for the things that you've been pouring your hearts out to us. We've literally found ourselves on our knees crying out to God on your behalf or on our behalf or on our kids' behalf and just having the most incredible experiences of God where he's given us words and pictures and encouragements for each other and for you guys. It's a place you don't want to miss, but yet somehow is the place that we often think, oh yeah, I'll do that later. I'll get round to it at some point. Keeping yourself in a mental and physical posture towards God when you pray is something that Jesus did and it's something that we must do. My final point, I've touched on it a little bit already, the final P in this process is plain. Keep it plain and simple. When you pray, I don't know what background you've come from. For me, I'd never prayed before I came to this church. It's not strictly true. I had prayed once before. That's when I met God. But after that, I didn't know what... When people said, let's pray, I had no idea what they were talking about. I didn't know how to pray. And I certainly didn't have big fancy words that I could say. And so I felt quite insecure, quite worried about how that was going to come across. 
Or maybe you're from a background that's a bit more traditional, and so when you pray, there are very specific things that you say and very specific things that you do when you pray. But what we read in the Bible is that God knows every single thing about us. Psalm 139 says, He knows when we sit and when we rise. He knows our thoughts from afar. He knows our going out and our lying down. He's familiar with all of our ways, and before a word is on our tongue, he knows it completely. And so if he knows absolutely everything about us, he knows what's on our hearts, he knows how we normally speak to our friends, he's going to know when we're using fancy words and we don't really need to. It's going to seem a little bit odd. So keep it simple. When you're thinking, I don't really know how to pray, you just talk. I'm quite good at talking, so for me it comes naturally. But you just chat. Chat to God. Keep it simple. Keep it real. Keep it simple. And keep it up. These are three things that if you were with us in Encounter on Tuesday night, those are the things that you heard. Keep it simple. Keep it real. And keep it up. Keep it simple. Don't get tied in knots thinking you have to use fancy words or certain things. Keep it real. Be honest with God. If you're angry about something, tell him. If you're angry at God, tell him. He's big enough to deal with that and he needs to hear it. He needs to hear where you're at. If you're sad, tell him. If you're worried about something, tell him. If you're ecstatic because something incredible has just happened in your week, tell him. You can tell him out loud. We were laughing in encounter with the kids. Uh, Someone had asked the question, do we just do that in our heads? Or do we do that out loud? I honestly think that's one of the best questions. This person has been thinking about it, and that's the kind of thing I would have been asking when I'd first come along. Like, how do you actually do that? Do you say it out loud? And then we made a bit of a joke about it. The encounter guys were going to have a moment in, uh, in the academy where they were going to just pray out loud and be silly. So they were just going to take it. They were going to, they've been challenged, by the way. So if you are the parent of one of our encounter kids, their challenge is to Snapchat, take a photo or whatever. I'm not up on all of that. But I want photo evidence of the fun that will ensue when they walk around that school and just go, Jesus! We need you! Or whatever prayer they might have on their hearts. You see, you might look a bit stupid if you're in school or you're in work and a thought comes into your head and you know you need to pray about it and so you pray it out loud. Not going to lie, people might think you're weird. So you might want to keep that bit in your head. But let's face it, we have conversations in our mind the whole time, right? And so that's what God wants. He wants us to have a running dialogue with him. It'd be weird if we got up in the morning and said hi to God and then said nothing else to him until the end of the day. That'd be a bit weird. We need to be telling him all of our stuff and have a chat with him all the time. And when you do that, you're tuned in to him. You're more likely to want to spend more time in his presence. And when I say all of these things, you might be sitting there thinking, you don't understand. I'm in a terrible situation right now. My life is hard and I don't know how to pray about that. You see, the Bible says in Romans 8.28 that we know that in all things God works the good, works the good for those who love him, 
who have been called according to his purpose. This means that everything that is going on in our lives will be used for good. It's not saying God created those things. It's not saying you deserve those things. It's not saying you should feel bad about those things or shameful about those things. It's saying that God knows every one of them and that he's going to use it for good. You see, I don't know what situation you're in right now. I don't know what's going on in your life. But I can bet some of you are going through some horrific things right now. Biggest thing from this passage is that God is always there. Jesus knew it. That's why he withdrew to spend time with God. He never leaves us. He's always, always there. No matter how tough your situation is. No matter how much you've tried to pray and heard nothing. No matter how much it feels like you're just praying to the ceiling and it's bouncing back. The Bible teaches us that he always hears us and that he always uses every situation for good. And so if you're in a really tough situation right now, the biggest thing I want you to take away from today is that there is hope. There is hope in Jesus' name. We spoke about it if you were at City Women last night. Six of us uh, women sat up front and told our stories. Um, they weren't light flowers, flowery stories. They weren't lovely fluffy stories. They were honest, sometimes tragic, deep, personal stories. And these women shared them because they believe that God has got them through it. And the reason I'm standing here today is because I know that God got me through some horrific things in my life. And that when I prayed, things changed. Because prayer changes things. Prayer is when God shows up. And when we are ready to receive from him, things change. And like I said, it might not change how you think it's going to, but it will change. So there is hope. And that's what I want you to take away from today above anything else. When we prioritize, when we posture ourselves, and when we keep it plain and simple, there is hope in his name. And we're going to take a little moment um, just now to try that. We're going to take a little moment to pray. And if there's anyone who's been sat there thinking, I had no idea that this was even an option for me. I had no idea that I could just pray. I thought I had to do lots of fancy things to become a Christian, or I thought that to be in the presence of God, I had to do lots of things. You don't. You just have to talk to him. It's all you have to do. And so can I ask us to stand?